This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at ZephyrCMS.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Jonathan Goldhill. He's a business coach and personal growth strategist who specializes in guiding next generation entrepreneurs and leaders in family businesses who want to disrupt the status quo. We're going to talk about his recent book, Disruptive Successor, a guide for driving growth in your family business. So Jonathan, welcome back. I, I think there's a repeat for you, isn't it? Uh, you know, I think I might've done a podcast with you a very long time ago. <laughs> That's right. A very long time ago. We've known each other for a few years here now. We have, we have. So I guess the first question is, why disrupt? Um, you know, uh, a lot of family businesses actually, dad wants or mom wants to kind of like have the legacy go on. Why do we got to disrupt all this? Yeah, so, you know, I I wanted to talk to disruptors because a lot of my clients, maybe all too familiar to you, are like their first generation, more craftsman type entrepreneur. They're, right. they're the classic e-myth entrepreneur that they built a good landscaping, plumbing, roofing, solar business, but they didn't really build a business that's so good that it can scale with without them. Yeah. And you know, it's it's too dependent upon them. And so this disruptor is someone who recognizes that they need stronger and better processes. They need better and more engaged employees. They need a new revived purpose that connects to what the new generation leader is going to be all about. And yeah, you're going to be, you know, transferring some equity. So there's a succession that yeah. is oftentimes disruptive and <laughs> we don't want dad to like take the shares to his grave or, you know, till his 81st birthday to deal with this stuff. So, and then finally technology has been just a leveler of all businesses. So, you know, the, the millennial entrepreneur that I'm speaking to in the book understands that there's a whole lot of software apps that are going to help manage the business that the old man just really isn't familiar with. So it's the classic, you know, what got us here isn't yeah. going to get us there. So. so in your work with family businesses, are there certain things that are unique to family businesses, certain challenges that always show up all the time? Um, I, mean, I mean, because obviously if you're focused on family businesses, you know, there must be something about them that, that calls for a different treatment. Okay, so let's first uh, agree on that. Businesses are businesses, and you can, if you can remove the family element from them, they all should be run like businesses. So, um, so maybe there's the the pre thinking that there's no difference in a family business from a business. The problem is is that there's family, and so there's relationships, and they tend to do things loosely. They tend to keep things, you know, play things close to the vest, or um, or like I talked about earlier, they don't really have documented processes because they figure, oh, I'll just, you know, it's like, I don't need a cookbook to explain the recipe here. My kids have watched me make this for years, so they'll just do it. So, so then, you know, therein starts to lie the rub of, I've seen consistently that there's a real tightness of family members, but sometimes there's a conflict and there's an unwilling, unspoken words that they don't deal with difficult conversations that they yeah. need to have, yeah. or, um, there are difficult situations or conversations and the that don't get had and the family stays together and they shouldn't. They should split up. 
So, yeah. So I imagine finances is a tough area because that's a tough area for everybody. And, you know, I know I grew up, I, I think it was probably, I was probably, I don't know, 25 before I learned anything about finance because my parents didn't talk about that. You don't talk to your children about finances, right? And I'm sure that that, I'm sure that that happens in a lot of businesses. It's like really hard for the, um, the, the, the aging generation to now like open up the books, you know, to everybody, even though you're going to take over the business, right? I mean, how do you, how do you, yeah, 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 huge problem. So, um, so here's a tale of two different companies that were, are located in the same town in the same industry, but they, they're in different markets. They serve different, uh, clientele. And so there's two fathers and two sons, one, a, a father and a son in each business. And the father in one business, he does it all himself. He's got his own, like the old, the bookkeeper, the the guy who's been doing the books, the the CPA for years, been working with him. And the son doesn't have that, isn't empowered. And yet, if the son's going to really run a company, a $10, 15000000 million company, he needs to understand what's going on. And then there's the other family where the father was more of a craftsman and he built a nice business. And it was the son who took a great interest in business and finance and numbers. And he's driving the agenda in the conversation. And he's, he's getting the old man to do his estate plan and to meet with financial planners and, you know, setting compensation levels for his dad. So it's a tale of, 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 of two families, two cities, if you, you know, it's very different. And so, yeah, finance is a really difficult thing because the 60 year old who's set in his like life with his business, like he doesn't want to give control over to the 30 year old who's going to, who has a willingness to bet the farm, if you will. Yeah. You know, like we don't, we don't want you to bet the farm. I want something conservative. I want to know I can predict my income over the next 20 years. So so another issue that I suspect happens um, and, uh, you know, quite often I run across it. Uh, we do a lot of marketing training and people bring us in and they've got, oh, my son or daughter is going to take over marketing for us. You know, no experience necessarily, no training for it, but that's, you know, th- they're in the family. So they're coming in, <laughs> you know, and, and, and obviously now I have to say this in case two of my daughters are listening. I'm not talking about you, uh, but in some cases, you know, family members are unqualified um, and brought in uh, and yet, the whole organization's got to live with that. So, you know, what, what's your advice? Yeah. And I get it. That's what I'm saying is, I mean, it's like, no, I want yeah. my son or daughter to take over. So I'm going to bring them in and they want to take over, but they haven't, you know, they haven't studied business here and they haven't had 10 years of experience, you know, being a you know chief financial officer. So, you know, how do you, how do you address that situation? Which I'm sure is quite common. Quite common. Yeah. And the way it's dressed in family businesses is through a family constitution, which generally you don't see until you're into the third generation. And they're now looking at um, cousins and step family members and in-laws, yeah. and they're starting to create some rules. And And one of the rules, and we can, I don't know how old your daughters are, but you can throw me under the bus for telling <laughs> them that you should tell them that, hey, I would love you to come join the family business and take over my business, but I have a requirement. You need to spend one year, two years, three years, whatever that number is, and it needs to be at a 
you know, a, a corporation that does marketing um, that is in the kind of space that we're in. Not so you're going to steal their secrets and come bring it back here, but so that you learn like what, how what business is really done at a really well run company. And then when you come back to my company, you can say, you know, hey, dad, I have some insights about how we could do things better. This is what we did at, you know, XYZ, you know, marketing services company. So and so that the family constitution, though, is the official document that says, you know, son or daughter, you must go work outside the family business for a period of a certain amount of time and before you come in, you know, and, right. and maybe in the management role. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want to talk about the disruption of, of uh, maybe the product or the business model, or, you know, those kind of things that happen. But let me start with um, what if, what do you run across instances? And this could go either way where the, uh, the, the elder generation is like, no, we're, you know, this is how we, you know, serve people. This is, you know, what we make profit. This is, you know, what we believe. And the next generation is, no, we want to be a, uh, we want to be a B Corp. You know, we want, you know, we want to, you know, we want to give it away. We want to, you know, we want to bring change to the world. So like a, a, a significant culture, you know, disruption. So I think I've seen uh, and worked clients through culture disruptions, but nothing so radical where, the business model is completely changing and the the preceding generation isn't on board with that. I mean, look, you and I know that most of us need who look at our businesses need to look at it and may need to reinvent our business every three to five years right. to stay constantly relevant. And family businesses might not do that as often because they kind of get stuck in the way they run their business and maybe I'm just, maybe the bias is that small businesses get stuck like that. Um, I can't think of a situation where the disruption has been so large, but the problems that I see common are, so, you know, that guy that you hired like 20 years ago and he's been really good. He's, you know, you really like him and he's like family, but like he's just not fitting with the current generation of like what we're doing. And he doesn't understand how to use the software apps that we've now implemented. And, you know, he makes hiring decisions without consulting and he doesn't follow our SOPs. I mean, so yeah, that's disruption. You've got to really coach that person and bring them back on board. And then oftentimes the father, by the way, I've seen the father's, they don't yeah. follow the SOP. This is common. Yeah, you yeah, set yeah. up SOPs as the new generation leader, and and the dad like consistently doesn't follow them. He does. Yeah. He always did them. It's interesting. I had Robin uh, Rob, Robert uh, Rosenberg, uh, who is the uh, uh, retired now um, CEO of Dunkin' Donuts, and in the sixties, uh, he was brought in. You know, got his business degree from, uh, I'm going to miss the college now. I think it was Yale. You know, they brought it, might've been Harvard. Sorry, that's probably going to get me in trouble. Um, but, but uh, they brought him in to, to, you know, to, to bring some new ideas to, to the business. And he said, one of the, you know, one of the early on challenges was, it, it, you know, dad was retiring, but he wouldn't leave. <laughs> you know, he, he stayed involved in the day to day, you know, and, and he said, when we finally kind of defined like roles, that way, you know, and, and kind of everybody held them to it and, you know, life got, got better. You know, they, they made some significant changes. They went franchise direction. I mean, totally, totally, you know, different, different business than just making, you know, food like they were doing, you know, almost in a, you know, tiny, small business. You don't think of Dunkin' Donuts that way, but, um, but I, I suspect that that's, you know, that, 
in some cases, the older generation is just like, thank God, you know, I'm, you know, you, you guys are taking over, but I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I think of myself, you know, well, this is my baby. This is my thing I built. You know, I, I, yeah, yes. I want you to take it over as long as, you know, I get to still do what I want to do. <laughs> well, I think, and that's where the, the leader and the team needs to be really smart and they need to find a, a role for you or for the founder or whomever that preceding generation is that really works. And, you know, generally you move into a chairperson role. If you've got a leadership yeah. team, you're now providing you're you're kind of a, the family business ombudsman and you're yeah. out there, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies type thing. But otherwise we find something that you're really good at and we, we put you over in that corner and we have you, you know, whatever you, you do really well, write, podcast, whatever it is. And but we're going to run, you know, we're going to run the programs. We're going to sell the memberships. We're going to build the business and you have to let go. And that's the other thing, which is you have to at some point see that, Hey, I think that, the kids seem like they know what they're doing and they can do this better than I did it. And that's great. You know, today content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. It uh, won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to, to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast, profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make a, them your plug and play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-C-M-S.com. So are you sometimes brought in in a situation where maybe they're doing this, maybe they're thinking about doing this, maybe they're down the road and experiencing, you know, some, some challenges. Um, what, what's kind of your first, I, I guess I'm going to say, I'm going to give you two answers. This. What's kind of the first thing you do. And then after you do that, what's the second thing you do? <laughs> so, I mean, I think the first thing is really understanding who right. the players are. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I tell people, when I go into any kind of assignment um, and maybe it's because of the bias of being a scaling up certified coach is that the first thing we have to work on is the people. Do we have the right people, you know, on the bus? Are they in the right seats? Are they doing the right thing? And then the second thing is execution. Are they getting the right things done? Is there accountability? Do we have priorities? Do we have a plan? So I need to look at the family members and really figure out like, what's your real role here? Okay, so don't tell me it's just like it's the two of you that are co-CEOs. I don't like well, like so one person the inside, one person the outside guy, or one person's production, one person's sales, or you know what is it that you guys really do? And let's start to define that. And are you willing to just be in that box? You know, because that's when people understand what the other person does. I think everything works much better. So. So that's, you know, and then the second thing is, is making sure that they're clear on it and that they're in agreement on it. So, so, so after you strip away some of the family things, I mean, as, as I read through the chapters, I mean, it's, you know, work on purpose, you know, plan for growth, you know, redefine your products, you know, develop your A-team. I mean, that's advice that probably any business would get. So is that, is, is really part of the challenge is, is dealing with the, 
dysfunction dynamic, you know, sometimes before you can actually act like a real business. Yeah. hundred you know, percent. I, I could say that as a family business owner. Can't yeah. I mean, you, you have to, uh, you have to deal with the family dysfunction if there is and the, you know, and you have to make sure that it's healthy because yeah. so, you know, we talk about a healthy team and a healthy company and it starts with healthy relationships with the people. Um, most companies that are family businesses, I don't find they refer to people as mom and dad. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. John and Rich or it's John and Jane and Jane. They're like in the business they're They have a very professional relationship with each other. Yeah. So, you know, that's really important. And it's yeah. establishing those new rules uh, to play by so that things can be, you know, there's an outside life that's personal and there's a professional yeah. life. So how, how early is too early to start planning, you know, for this? I, I, obviously, I'm sure you run into a lot of cases. I, I, I had a client that um, it was, you know, everybody knew son was going to take over the business. But there was there was literally the dad just said, I'm done. I'm out. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. and, and uh, you know, actually, it's worked out great. You know, no issues uh, uh, at all. But, you know, I found myself thinking it was wasn't my role, but I found myself thinking, shouldn't there be like some transition going on here? <laughs> so, so how early is, uh, is too early? I, I shouldn't say there probably is no too early, but what's the ideal, you know, if, if, if this is going to be something you're going to do? So, you know, honestly, um, my default answer is going to be once they turn 25, <laughs> Yeah, you know, they say, uh, the psychologists say that the frontal lobe of the brain is fully formed at 25. Um, so I, I would not hand the keys to my checkbook or to my, you know, my business to someone who was younger than that. They would make some maybe foolish financial or, you know, choices, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I think uh, before they're 40, I think that 25 to 40 for me, John, that is a sweet spot of the age that I find most coachable. Mm -hmm. And once people get into their forties and, and older, or they start to get a little more stuck in their, in their ways. I, I think if you're planning on passing this business on to that next generation, you ought to be having those conversations, talking about the process and, you know, not waiting till you're 86 thinking, you know, I'm still going to be in charge that, that's not realistic. We don't live forever. And at some point, our decision-making and our awareness of, of the environment that we're doing business in deteriorates to some degree. So, yeah. so one last question. These all, um, because of the dynamic of family businesses, these all probably come off a little negative. And, um, and I don't, uh, they're really just challenges, I think, is, is kind of the way to uh, position them. But I suspect you've run across companies also where, you, you know, there are a lot of, of, you know, mom and dads who are like, yes, of course, our children are going to take over the business. They come to work in the business because, hey, it was easy to get a job. They're going to pay me well. <laughs> you know, they show up and they're working every day, but they have no real desire to take over this business. Um, have you run across instances of, uh, like that? And, and kind of what's, what's the sort of way to, to, to work your way through that? Yeah. So, uh, I, I just working with a client currently that they came in to take over the business because, well, dad wanted to sell the business. Um, yeah. he put an unrealistically high price 
and he couldn't sell it. So after a while, he sort of leaned on the kids and said, hey, I really need you to come in and run this business. And the kids were like, you know, we're in totally different careers and different industries, (laughs) different geographies. And so there's a sense that they do it out of a moral responsibility. And this is pretty common. Um, And my job, I think, is to get them to fall in love with the business enough to say, hey, this is a great opportunity. I mean, business is just a learning, um, like a learning field, right? It's a it's a chance for us to learn a lot of things in life. Use the business as a platform to do that. And so if we can't get them to get to that place, then we work on just let's make the improvements to make the business so it's it's seller, you know, buyer ready. And um, but some of the problems that I've encountered is that the the father is holding still all the equity. The father is also maybe controlling how much money he takes in and out of the business for his personal, you know, for his ski cabin, for his uh, (laughs) personal lifestyle expenses. And those are difficult conversations that I'm brought in to try and have so that we can come up with a fair value, come up with a, you know, a transfer. Uh, of the equity, fair compensation to all who are working in the business. But yeah, these are the common things that are problems in family businesses. And and that's why so many of them don't make it into the third generation. All right. Well, we've, we've, we've beat all those family business owners up pretty good today. So Jonathan, why don't you, why don't you tell somebody listening where they might find out more about you and, uh, and, and the, the viability of bringing in somebody like you to, to help navigate this. Yeah. So, uh, so if you go to my website, thegoldhillgroup.com, you can find all about me and, and my coaching. And if you want to learn more about my book and download a free chapter, you can go to disruptivesuccessor.com. It, it's also available on Amazon and, uh, and also have a podcast under the same name, Disruptive Successor Show. So, uh, but go to the Gold Hill Group and you can email me through there if you have any questions. Awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, Jonathan. Of course, we'll have those links in the show notes. And hopefully we'll see you again someday in person when we're all back out there on the road. Sounds good. Thanks so much.